All right. This is our first time doing this without actually seeing each other, too, thanks to crappy, crappy internet. Yeah. So now we can't look into each other's eyes as we yell about stuff. I guess it's okay. This book is pretty good. Yeah, I think we could do it. Come on. And if you miss if you miss your poor little brother's eyes, we can always find a new way to do this. Your poor really little weird. brother's eyes. Oh, come no, on. Weird. Oh, man. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to Adapted for Your Viewing. My name is David, and I watch too many movies. And my name is Amanda, and I read too many books. We are brother and sister, and this is our podcast for nerds, where we talk too much about movies and the books they're based on, and tell you which one is worth consuming. Mm -hmm. And today we will be talking about Holes. This includes the 1998 novel by Lewis Sacker, and the 2003 adapted film. Yeah, and we're assuming you're familiar, but just in case you need it, here is the 60-second summary. Uh, so Holes is about Stanley Yelnats. Uh, we presume he's like middle grade. He seems like thir- 12, 13, 14. Um, and he is sent to Camp Green Lake uh, after he is caught with the stolen shoes of a baseball player in a stroke of bad luck that he blames on his no good, dirty, rotten, pig-stealing great-great-grandfather, uh, which is kind of a family joke that they blame all of their bad luck on. The juvenile corrections facility of Camp Green Lake requires their inmates to dig one hole each day, five foot deep, five foot wide, on the dried up lake bed in order to build character. Uh, Woven within Stanley's story is the story of his great-great-grandfather and the notorious outlaw Kissin' Kate Barlow, which is the coolest outlaw name of all time. The sickest Western name ever. I can't believe, I could have sworn that was a real person. (laughs) <laughs> I really wish it was because her story is amazing. One of, one of my favorite parts of the, I love her, her entire narrative is perfect. Uh, so David, what was your first experience with Holes, either the book or the movie? So we have a shared experience on Holes. We do because I forced you to read this. <laughs> Pretty sure. You forced me to read it. <laughs> and to come with me to watch the movie. <laughs> yes. So when I was, I want to say 10, because I was in third grade, I do remember that, you forced me to read this book. Yeah. And then I specifically remember you taking me, as well as our brother Michael, to go see this yeah. at a very sticky movie theater. Yes. And then also <laughs> going on a school trip together. I don't necessarily remember going on a field trip with your class, but I definitely remember taking you and our brother to go and see it because I was like, I was, I was high school aged, but not quite at, like I didn't have a driver's license yet. So it felt very like, like I didn't feel like I was adult enough to be like out on my own with my two kid brothers paying for a movie and eating a bunch of candy without any adult supervision, (laughs) but (laughs) it was super fun doing it. So I like vividly remember doing that with you guys. I now do remember us doing the like 25 minute walk to the movie theater to get there. We walked to the mall, which is a, a three minute drive, but we go through like a field and around a pond in order to get to it from our house. Uh, but we did walk there. Like a Good couple times. of cool kids. <laughs> like a couple of cool kids. I do remember that my third grade class went on a field trip at the end of the year. Like I, I remember mm. this was like near the summer. And it was during that time where it's like, what the heck do you teach third graders <laughs> in the month of May? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. You, you make them watch Mythbusters 
Bill Nye and yep. take them on field trips to go see Holes. Yeah. Uh, but there is a scene in Holes where Sigourney Weaver is yelling at everybody and she says the word jackass. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I remember laughing, but I remember everyone being scared to laugh <laughs> because if you laughed, that meant you were laughing at a bad word and you'd get yeah. in trouble. That's hilarious. I remember I got in trouble in third grade for saying the word damn. I got sent to the principal's office <laughs> for saying really? the word damn. Yes. I said damn. Well, you were just a young and you shouldn't have been using that potty mouth. Sounds like you Well, damn, 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 damn. Damn, damn, damn. <laughs> whoa, whoa, Give whoa. me that apple. Hey, ex- hey. <laughs> we're not. Yeah. We, Man, now we're going to get the little expletive tag. Yeah. <laughs> This this episode for mature audiences only holes. <laughs> damn, damn, damn. <laughs> oh yeah, that's rough. <laughs> yeah, I definitely uh, think I definitely read it before that, before taking you to the movies when the movie came out. Because I remember being very excited when the movie came out and slightly disappointed that Shia LaBeouf was in it. <laughs> Uh, okay, we'll talk later about that, but all right. Um, but I think I, I read it, I gotta say, maybe, I'm, I think I was younger, to be honest. I think I was like maybe in fifth grade when I read it myself, but it was one of those books that I like, I kept going back to that I would see on the shelf and be like, oh man, Holes, that was such a fun book. And I probably reread it a couple times throughout junior high. And so in one of those reads, I definitely forced you. I think maybe as soon as you were able to, I forced you to also read it. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. So, uh, Amanda, tell me a little bit about the book facts, because this uh, this is a pretty good book. Yeah, I love Lewis Saker, and I was really excited to do this book with you. Um, He not only wrote Holes, which is one of my childhood favorites. He also wrote the Wayside School books, if you remember those. Um, mm-hmm. They, He did a series of them, I want to say like, um, like eight of them or something like that. And there are these really funny short stories about this middle school that's bananas. And each each chapter is like this really sweet short story. And he does such a good job of blending like Humor. I mean, we saw it in holes of blending like humor and also just like ridiculousness that makes it very fun for like a, a middle school grade book. Um, but when holes came out, he said it's his favorite book. So he's written probably a couple dozen middle grade books, but he said he says holes is his favorite. But he was also saying that Good. in an interview for holes. So maybe that's why. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he may have colored his judgment a little, a little bit, bit biased there. Yeah, but yeah. it did win the Newberry. Gotta sell those holes. Yeah, tickets. right. It did win the Newberry in 1999, which is a pretty big deal. And as when the movie came out, he followed it up with two companion novels. Uh, so the first one is Holes: Colin Stanley Yelnat's Survival Guide to Camp Green Lake. Uh, which came out with the movie. And then in 2006, a couple years later, he published Small Steps that continues Armpit Story. So I did not know that. I thought that was pretty cool. He had a uh, a little, he had expanded the narrative a little bit. Um, yeah, I kind of want to check that out just yeah, for the armpit. Yeah. He also wrote, and this is stepping on your territory a little bit, but he wrote the screenplay for the movie, which I was kind of surprised by. Uh, but it does explain why the the movie is is fairly in line with the book narrative. Uh, and he was on set a ton, like 80% of the time. 
yeah, to kind of dive in from movie facts from there, because what a good transition. You just you just handed <laughs> yeah, out a just, plate to me. Yep. <laughs> mm, thank you. Uh, I'm always interested specifically with my movie facts on what is the relationship with the author yeah. and the actual movie, because every author has a different relationship. And it's always very interesting to see how did they interact? Were they involved with the process at all? Uh, did that change? Like, it's it's all very interesting to see how they apply their story to it. And originally, he did not write the initial screenplay. Someone else did. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot darker. It was really? so much darker. Yes. And the director was like, hey, I don't really like how this person uh, took this story. I want you to write the screenplay. And initially, he did not want to. He was kind of taken aback. He was like, mm, I've never written a screenplay. I don't feel comfortable with it. So Holes was his first screenplay he's ever written. Uh, and he was super involved in the process. He was involved mm-hmm. with some of casting. Uh, he didn't have anyone specifically he wanted to play any of the roles, but he was involved in like checking out some of the characters. He was involved with the editing. He was on set a ton. Uh, so he was much more involved with this movie than most authors are with their adaptations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, some other random facts. There really isn't like a ton here, but uh, the yellow spotted lizards in the movie are basically just regular lizards with paint on them. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> thought that. When I saw them. Yeah, and then <laughs> all the lizards were like a mix of real lizards and CGI lizards, which you can easily oh, tell. Oh, yeah. Easily tell when it switches to CGI lizards. Yeah, it's not the most effective transition, but it's no. it's all right. It is 2003, yeah. so we can't razz them too hard. Yeah, I can't razz them too hard. So I've emailed Lewis Sacker about what? this, but I am interested in something that he said in an interview in april of this year of for this forbes year? really yes it was of this year this is why i'm super interested in it uh he said that sigourney weaver who plays the warden tim blake nelson who plays uh mr or dr pedansky mm-hmm. and mr sir played by john voigt just like a powerhouse trio oh just the best trio to play the adults yeah. in this movie yep they requested uh, some information on set on like how their characters met, like what brought them all together. And initially, he didn't really have any backstory for this, but he wrote a three-page short story on how they got to know each other and how they all That's met. That's amazing. And I want this so <laughs> I definitely bad. want it. <laughs> so I have emailed him. him I have requested it. it. Interesting. Yes. If... If this is edited out, then we got it, and I'm going <laughs> to edit a new thing in. But if you're hearing this, I'm sorry. I have not heard back, and hopefully we get it soon. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, I'd love to just talk to him about it, especially with the process. He seems like a very so fun involved. guy. Yeah, I mean, based on these stories, they're so mystical and fun. I'd love to just talk with him on that process. But uh, we're sort of diving into story territory. So, Amanda, Mm -hmm. let's just dive into the meat of it. What did you think about the story of Holes? I love it. I loved it when I first read it when I was a kid. I loved rereading it as I grew up, and I loved it again revisiting it for this podcast. It's a little middle grade novel, 
Uh, so it only took me like maybe three hours to get through the whole thing, if that. And somehow he tells this multi-generational story and interweaves like this great um, like outlaw backstory that ties in like everybody and then it has like this it's mystical side and then this beautiful like coincidence but really satisfying resolution at the end of it and I don't know how he does it but he does it so well and each of his scenes are small but you know the characters so like almost all the dialogue from the movie is lifted straight from the book and it's such quality Mm -hmm. dialogue like you understand who each of the adults are instantly and every time they're talking you get a you get a real sense of who they are and i think that's such a rare thing especially for a middle grade book so i was still to this i was still super impressed with this book yeah i was blown away because i mean it is an easy quick read he mm-hmm. doesn't have a lot of long sentences and i mean the style is very simplistic but what he does with that in his like word selection and yeah. choice is perfect because he tells such a complicated story in such a yeah. simple way yeah. that any other author would have trouble with. I think what he does super well is actually is the mystery part of it because he has like this really like this really complex conclusion, right? All of these things come together at the end. And he lays it out. He only has like a couple hundred pages to do it in middle grade font. And so not a ton of room, but he lays out each piece of the puzzle just beautifully. And one of the things that I really loved was the reveal of Kissing Kate Barlow, that they find the tube of lipstick you get a little bit of backstory. You get Miss Catherine with her peaches, and and then you get her name. And it's only said once, but it's it's such a good like he's just planting a little seed at a time, and then it all comes together at the end. And I I think that's really hard. Like I've read a lot of books that try to tell multiple stories at the same time, and I think it's really difficult to do. But Sacker makes it look easy, and so it's really impressive. And there is a simple thread that connects all of them together. Yeah. I think what blows me away now that I'm reading this as an adult, and I mm-hmm. I took some time to like step away and think of like, what is this world that Sacker's uh, created? And honestly, if you step away from like some of the humor, the world is really dark. Yeah. And it's really dirty. I mean, it's a world where children who steal shoes can go to jail for 18 months. (laughs) That's terrible. And where you have to do so much physical labor and there's so many bad things happening to you. It's, it's an unfair world. Yeah. They're incarcerated. They're being used as essentially slave labor for this lady's like own, um, her own goal of like treasure finding in the desert, essentially. They don't get enough food. They barely get enough water. They don't have any, like he gets smacked in the head with a shovel and they don't take care of him. Like all these stuff are happening Mm -hmm. and it is, it's a really dark world, but it's told with such a sense of humor and charm that you forget about it. And it's, it's, it's somehow easy to relate to. Yeah, it still feels hopeful. It still mm-hmm. feels mystical with this, uh, you know, great grandfather story and Madame Zeroni. And Amazing. to me, it's crazy to think that I was 10 years old yeah. and Sacker was introducing me to like some complex ideas of things like race, 
poverty, mm-hmm. uh, like generational problems. Issues with the justice system. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. And he never goes into depth to these, but he doesn't have to. It's mm-hmm. a kid's book. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's introducing these and starting a conversation for such young readers and still make a story that feels complete for adult readers yeah. is incredible. Yeah. I mean, this story just holds up so well. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think when we're talking about it, because the book and the movie are so similar, um, a lot of those compliments go straight to the book. Uh, Was there anything specifically from the movie that you really loved? Yeah. I mean, for the movie, I think it's pretty easy to point to one thing, and that is the casting. The casting is absolutely insane. Okay. First of all, Sigourney Weaver is on in this film. Yes. Like I just forgot she was in this film. Uh I forgot John Voight was in this film. I forgot that he was Mr. Sir. And just those two alone are such huge star power. Mm-hmm. By the way, Tim Blake Nelson, mm-hmm. who plays Dr. Podansky, he is actually secretly in everything. He okay? really is, yes. <laughs> also, if you haven't been watching it, he's in the new Watchmen series playing my favorite character really? in that show. That's and awesome. I forget the amount of depth this guy has in his acting ability. Yeah. Because in this movie, he is sort of this like deceptive good guy. And he's honestly out of the three adults in the movie. He scares me the most <laughs> because it just seems at any moment he could break and go crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's been pushing some sort of darkness <laughs> underneath that only comes out when he's making fun of Zero. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, the reveal that he's like, because you you latch onto him at the beginning of the story as the one good adult, and then he turns out to be just as bad as the rest of them. And their interactions uh, between the three adults are all hilarious. Yes, every single like John time. Voight's performance yeah. is incredible. Mm-hmm. Sigourney Weaver is a combination of like terrifying, but also in a weird way, you feel a little bad for her oh, for at sure. the end of this movie. Yeah. It's the performances of the three are incredible. And the child actors, they're fun. You know, I think we get spoiled with child actors now. Uh, but I think the fact that they had such a star-studded adult cast just brought up everybody else's performance. Well, yeah, it's those three, and then Stanley's parents are Henry Winkler and Siobhan Fallon Hogan. Oh my gosh! Who I bo- like I forgot. Yes, and I loved them. <laughs> I totally forgot they were playing them too. But then when I was like, when I went back and read it, I was picturing them as his parents, which I thought was very funny. And then, mm-hmm. not to mention, Eartha Kitt herself is Madame Zeroni, which was <sighs> just, so, she has like three lines in this movie, and they're all so good. So it was, yeah, the casting was was really spot on. Even the casting of the kids I thought was really spot on. Um, I thought they were a really great group of kids. They were, each of them, like, really interesting. Um, even though they didn't get a lot of screen time, I thought they did a good job. I think what really lifted it up for me with the kid performances is the fact that I felt like each of them had their own unique personality. Yes. In the book... For me, they all sort of blended together, except for like Zero and X-Ray. In the movie, I think they had a lot more room to show their own personalities. And I think they ran away with it. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. the reason why 
You know, if you watch Disney Channel back in the day, you saw them everywhere. Yes, Disney Channel. Uh, I don't know what they invested in marketing for this movie, but it was a lot. I feel like this was when Disney was still doing – this is my feeling. I did not research this at all. But when Disney was still doing just like made-for-TV movies and they're like, no, we're going to – like for teens. And they're like, no, we're going to break out and do like these other movies because they did this and they did like Ella Enchanted. And it both has like – those kind of movies have like such a similar vibe to them. But they marketed the crap out of them. You could not turn on anything without hearing the whole song mm-hmm. in every commercial oh, break. Before we get to the song, because I <laughs> want to talk about the song a lot. The movie actually wasn't produced by Disney. It really? was produced and then later bought by Disney. Interesting. And they must have really liked the movie. That's why they got away with the word jackass. You know, that never oh, would have happened. Oh, that's Disney true. Movie. I guess I didn't really think about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but for anybody who was a kid at this time, they remember the amazing soundtrack that featured the song <laughs> Dig It, which included the cast rapping. Yeah, all of the children yeah. rapping. And I remember one loving the song. I of still think it's a bop. OK, <laughs> I still think it's fantastic. I don't think it's like the best song ever, but the hook on that song is incredible. It, and it just it is, gets you in. OK, it is catchy, but it's one of those songs that have been ruined because I just heard it so much when this movie came out. But you're right. I can't think of this movie without thinking about the song. So I guess it did what it was supposed to do. You get Shia LaBeouf rapping, Amanda. You do. In like the first verse. You get Shia verse. LaBeouf rapping. The first verse. I totally forgot about that. And then me and my husband were talking about this movie as the credits were playing. And I heard him singing about how his name is Caveman. And I'm like, oh my God, I think that's Shia LaBeouf. And it totally was. I looked it up and I couldn't believe they tricked him into singing on this track. When the song played, when the credits rolled, I also forgot about his verse. And then it came on. And I got it like the instant he started singing, it flashed me back to <laughs> I was 10 years old. I got my first CD player and I had the whole soundtrack. And you want to, I memorized. Oh, no. I memorized it, it, Amanda. You did? I did it. I mean, I did. that's basically what Disney's plan was, was for little, little Davids just like you to open up their little disc man and put in the Holes album and memorize that song. So they won. They did it. Good job, Disney. You did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, for the longest time, I thought the hook was digging up those holes, dig it. Okay. That's what I thought the hook was. No. What is it? And I think this comes from you and I singing this or something. Mm, it is. I don't know if you the should, hook is hold just. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Do not do not bring me into this experience with you. But no, nope. because we're doing this, this is, podcast together does not mean that I have sung the soundtrack of Holes with you. <laughs> this is a shared experience now. Uh, holes is our Holes experience is now no, interwoven. Don't put that narrative out you, there. <laughs> I memorize the rap and you memorize no! the rap. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you paint me as such a nerd? Okay, so what's the hook? I'm dying to know now. Okay, so the, I thought the hook was digging up those holes, dig it. Yeah. Okay? And I'd been singing it the whole week before I watched this movie of because I knew did. it. <laughs> the hook is actually dig it, oh, 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 oh. That's what no. it is. No. 
Yeah, look at the lyrics right now. It's dig it, oh, 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 dig it. How did we add so many words to those those nothing vowels? I think my version's better, personally. No, digging up those holes, dig it. Yeah, digging up those holes, holes. Uh, That's what I think it is. (laughs) Okay, now I have. It's not. I'll play like a clip or something over it. No, you're gonna look it up right now. You have to sing it that way. Yes, I'm literally looking it up right now. <gasps> what? Yeah. I feel like I gaslighted myself into thinking that it was that. <laughs> I literally like <laughs> even when I was listening to it for the movie, I was I had those words in my head and really are this cannot be real. You know how you got those words in your head. <laughs> no, do not do not pin this on me. You <laughs> You memorized the rap. Uh, no, you know I don't it. need to be double gaslit by this song, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely how memorized much, it. Okay. On, how much would it would you have to be paid? How much money would you have to make in order to rap on a on a song that was meant to be like for your feature film? If I was uh, like ten, heck, now probably not a lot. Probably not a lot. <laughs> The answer is definitely not a lot. Like, <laughs> Much I've been less singing than- it all week. <laughs> you would add your own verses to this song for basically just the experience of doing it with Shia LaBeouf? 100%. And I mean, listen, Shia LaBeouf's performance is great, but then you also get Zigzag, who yeah. does like the very low good. voice. Yeah, his is pretty yeah, good. Yeah, and he comes in and he's like, you got to go dig those holes. Yeah. I can't even get that okay, low. Stop, you're getting but- Okay, no, no more verses of holes in this. No more <laughs> verses of this song until I figure out why I remember these these lyrics that have never existed. <laughs> It's like the Berenstein Bears thing, but it for holes. Is. I'm going to go mm. on and write it and see if anybody else agrees with me. Somebody might. Uh, Somebody might. I mentioned earlier that I was a little bit disappointed that Shia LaBeouf got, got cast as Stanley. And I think it was just because these were the days of like even Stevens and stuff like that. This is his, yeah. his, his movie premiere. So this is pre-Transformers when he was still – the kid that tripped an awful lot when he was putting on his pants. And and I do remember having like a twinge of disappointment. And I think it's just because Stanley is not necessarily – like Shia LaBeouf in the early 2000s was meant to be a comedic character. And Stanley is not. Like he's a funny kid in in like the sense of like – you would be friends with him. He's not necessarily like a comedic character. And so I think that was like where I was a little bit disappointed. Um, And the movie definitely plays him as more of a buffoon. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of tuba music playing in the background when he's on the screen. (laughs) And so uh, would you recast Shia LaBeouf or do you feel like he's earned his slot as Stanley Yelnats? I personally would not. Really? Uh, I think I just associate Shia as Stanley now. Like he has just mm-hmm. been ingrained in my mind as Stanley. See? And so I can't really get it out. Yeah. The only change I would make is something that uh, Sacker suggested where mm-hmm. in the book, Stanley is actually overweight. And that's yeah. one of the reasons why he's picked on and he's called caveman. So uh, 
you know, he had suggested that what he wished could have happened is, you know, him get progressively lighter as the movie goes on. Mm-hmm. He understands, like, you know, logistically that doesn't make yeah. sense for someone to lose weight or gain weight as a child actor. But I think that representation of Stanley is important in yeah. the story. So give me Fat Shia. I'll take Fat Shia. Fat Shia would have been good. I think... Well, I think it's hard. So, so I was thinking about this question about who I would recast. And I think for the tone that this movie takes um, and the fact that this Stanley seems to be a little bit older, like he seems a little bit more like 16 or 17. Yeah. Um, and the Stanley from the book, I feel like, is more like 14 or 15. And mm-hmm. so I think for the movie, I guess it makes sense. I think it would change. Like I think it would change the movie a lot if it was recast from Shia LaBeouf. Um, I was thinking a young, don't laugh at me, a young Haley Joel Osment. Uh, yeah, this was right around the. This was right around the time when he like he could, took kind of a break after he did like his young kid stuff, and then he came back as like a teen and started doing movies again. So he did Secondhand Lions the same year that Holes came out. And I feel like he would have been really – I think it would have changed the movie a little bit. It would have been like a more like I guess serious tone. I think I think it would have taken some of the slapstick out of the movie if Haley Joel Osment was cast as Stanley instead of Shia LaBeouf. It definitely would have brought a darker tone. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the other alternative cast that they uh, were thinking for for the movie? No. Who is it? Frankie Muniz. No, <laughs> really. <laughs> I mean, to they be fair, they needed okay, to okay, get okay, okay. that Disney Channel money. They, they needed really to get did. that Disney Channel okay. money. To be fair, I so I looked up like because it'd be a little bit easier to like pick a child actor now. I feel like there's a lot more child actors to choose from. There's a lot of choices. In, yeah, that are in like more serious roles instead of like just goofy Disney Channel stuff. And so I was looking up like child actors of the early 2000s and a lot of them were either like nine when this movie came out or (laughs) (laughs) like like child actors that were like way too beautiful for this role, if that makes sense. It was like it was like somebody who would date Hannah Montana. (laughs) So to Uh be fair, the the Piggins were pretty slim and I think it would have gone like I, I feel like Shia LaBeouf is like the happy middle between Haley Joel Osment and Frankie Muniz. So I'm kind of okay with the choice. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. One thing, I I know we're going to go on to how we would change this story, but before mm-hmm. we go into it, could we just say how incredible uh, Duel, I, I feel like I'm going to say his name wrong, so I'm going to say it the way I will say and everyone can make fun of me. Duel Hill is, who played Sam, I... Love him yeah. so much. I, I love, love him so much. I loved everybody cast in the, like I said, like the Kiss and Kate Barlow storyline was probably my favorite out of the three storylines. And I think, I think it's du, Dule. I don't know. I don't know exactly how to say his name. Um, Gus from Psych uh, did an incredible job. Yeah, I just call him Gus. I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I also call him Gus. As soon as he was on the screen, I was like, oh, Gus, I forgot you were in this movie. Gus and uh, Patricia Arquette, who plays Kissing Kate, um, they do a great job. 
I love them. Yeah. I love them so much. Yeah. Okay, now we're allowed to go to most jarring, surprising changes. So, Amanda. Yeah. What are the most surprising changes for you? Um, I think it's not one thing uh, that was a big change because, to be honest, like like I, like we've said, like the story is pretty much beat for beat. They moved a couple of things around, but it's pretty much beat for beat the same story. They and really think, didn't change anything. Yeah, and I think they can do that because. Uh, you know, a lot of times with from a book to a movie, a book is so big with so many extra story plot lines and stuff like that. And because this is a middle grade book, it's it's pretty short, pretty straightforward. And so it translates really well to the screen. Um, I think the biggest change to me, the most jarring thing was that I felt like there was a tonal shift. Like I feel like this was a movie made for teens um, that just so happened like – adults and kids have watched. Whereas the book is just a good book and it just so happens to be accessible to middle-aged kids. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the tone to me shifts a great deal from the book to the movie. Did you feel that way? Absolutely. Like Mr. Sir's character is so much more slapstick. Yes. In the movie. I he's very I think scary he in the, the book, book and very silly in the movie. He's very, there is the moment in the book when he gets his cheek slashed by the warden mm-hmm. and he has a bunch of like he has some scarring from it. There's a scene where he's in the cafeteria and like some kids like, oh, what happened to your face? And he basically like pushes the kid and throws him against the wall, whatever. Yeah. And then Mr. Podansky gets up and he's like, I think we learned a lesson today that ev- everybody's sensitive, including Mr. Sir yes. or something like that. Yes. And it just like took away all the scariness. I mean, here's the thing. I laughed. It was very funny. <laughs> but it took away. It was such. A, that's the problem is for me, the movie is much more lighthearted. Yeah. But I don't really have a problem with it. Like I kind of enjoy the lightheartedness. Even in the darkness of the film, it was sort of lifted up by the silliness. Yeah. Like there's a there is one thing that I caught this time that I've never heard beforehand and it is the first time Stanley enters the cafeteria and they have disgusting food over the intercom. <laughs> yeah. You hear like a lunch lady talking about the menu and it's like, we have black beans, <laughs> pinto beans, green garbanzo beans, beans yeah. green beans. I did, I, I, do like I did think that was a pretty good goof. But see, like I would have liked, cause I feel like that kind of humor is the humor that's throughout the book. Whereas the movie humor was a lot of, um, you know, making fun of Mr. Sir because he has a lady's name and a lot of like tripping and falling into holes that didn't really happen in the book. Like a bunch of characters <laughs> fall into a hole. There's a lot of slapstick. There's a lot more slapstick. And like there are scenes where like Mr. Sir is chasing a lizard with a gun that was added. And I think just to add like, I don't know what it was supposed to say. It's like to basically add like a CGI scene for the lizard. Um, but there's a bunch of like silly stuff that's added that I feel like it doesn't really need it. And at the time of the movie, I like the first time I watched the movie, I don't think I mind. I think it was it like you. I was like, well, this is like a fun movie for teens. It felt like Disney was trying to be like, yeah, we're cool too. We hang out with the teens when like Nickelodeon was big. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and because I'm far removed from that now, those differences just seem more glaring to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand that. And I think the 
some of the filmmaking choices in this movie yes. also add to some of that. Uh, I'm going to transition this into nitpicks because this is probably my biggest nitpick. Mm-hmm. And it just has to do with the fact that this movie was made in 2003. <laughs> you can very so, much tell as it was such, made in 2003. <laughs> very much so. So as such, there is some filmmaking techniques that we have definitely moved on from <laughs> from 2003. I think I know what you're going to say because it happened probably three dozen times in this film. It happened so many times. And that is the transitional fade. Yeah. There is so many fades where someone's like hmm how do i get from this scene to the next scene and someone else was like just put a 50 percent opacity filter on there Mm -hmm. and then play the footage underneath and then just slowly go into the next one there is so many fades uh there's this the only time it works for me is there's a scene with madame zeroni as yes uh, you know he's thinking back to the curse he's like on the boat and he's falling asleep and then you just hear madame zaroni being like you will be cursed for eternity well no what did she say what is the exact thing she says i was gonna look this up but i can't remember it off the top of my head that's what it is she says no, she's like for, for always and eternity <laughs> <laughs> yes i want you to know that that, and that, that is an ongoing joke that we bring up Many times a year. Many times. Yeah. I, I've heard We're you quote Madame Zeroni a lot. Eternity. Yes, Eartha Kitt. Uh, <laughs> anytime you make an entrance back into my life, it gets a little bit better. Yeah, some of those filmmaking techniques were pretty, did not okay, age are we well. Full on, are we full on a nitpick? Because I have a big nitpick too. That's similar to that. We are full okay. on a nitpick. Please, please give I me your nitpick. I think the biggest problem that I had with this movie, and it it affects the tone, which was like my one change that I thought was most jarring, is this movie has an aggressive soundtrack. Like aggressive, <laughs> like Suicide Squad yes. level aggressive. <laughs> Anytime we have a scene, regardless if it's good or bad, the soundtrack comes punching into your field of vision and you have to pay attention to it. It is the most aggressively soundtracked movie that I've seen since the early 2000s. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's tough for me because I have, su- I have such great memories of the whole soundtrack. There's a lot of scenes where... The soundtrack is a little bit too on the nose. Yeah. Uh, there's a scene where Sam and Kate Barlow are in the classroom, and it's the classic scene yeah. where she's crying, and she's crying so hard. He comes in, and he's like, I could fix that. <laughs> and then he kisses her, and it's, you know what? In the book, it was actually a pretty touching scene. Yeah, it's super In the movie. It's a little silly. (laughs) I could not stop laughing because underneath is this song that's playing. That's like, I am you. You cry just like me. And it's... (laughs) Yes, it's rough. <laughs> and I, I was laughing so. Hard. Yeah, I feel like this was. I don't know why it was just like it was decided early in the production of this movie that they were going to have a soundtrack that told us exactly how to feel, exactly when to feel, with lyrics so loud and in your face that you could not ignore it. And it was, it's, it made for a jarring watching experience. Like I really think that if we had. Sir John Williams kind of come in here and write up just like a very simple score, it would have felt like a totally different movie. You know what we should start asking every time we watch a movie is would John Williams B-sides improve this movie? Okay. And I think but absolutely. The problem is my answer is always going to be yes. 
That's going to be like, a very would John Williams <laughs> Would John Williams voice memo demos on his iPhone improve this movie? I don't think that's I, always true, but with this movie, absolutely. I would pr- legitimately pay to rewatch this movie with a different soundtrack underneath it. I think it would to- totally change my experience with it. Another great on-the-nose moment is when Stanley and Zero are climbing up the mountain, yes. and the sound underneath is like, we're working hard together, yes. we're gonna get through this. Yes. Oh, I the, loved it. The soundtrack made me laugh more times than I think a soundtrack really should. It was, it's a little bit over the top yeah. how many times I was just laughing because of the soundtrack. That saying, buy the CD, it's great, <laughs> unfortunately... <laughs> You Come. can't find it on Spotify anymore. I tried. Come to our special event, karaoke with Adapted for Reviewing podcast featuring the soundtrack of Holes. Featuring Dig It, yeah. uh, just that on repeat. Exclusive, I already know all the lyrics. I'm not going to have to look Patreon at the screen. Patreon supporters only. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we have a Patreon now and it's just for karaoke. No, we don't. We don't. We don't. And it's just for karaoke. <laughs> Although that's a fantastic idea and I will be using that in the future. Okay, uh, of me doing all the raps. It's to going to be the dig it. No, it's going to be a very limited release of you re-singing the entire soundtrack of Hole's album. <laughs> I do that karaoke style. That's not even that, that much fun, of a stretch actually. for me to think of doing. <laughs> yeah, I would a hundred percent do that. Um, so my other nitpick is that I feel like this movie is great script great i feel like it's it's edited like a made for tv movie where like yeah i don't like i don't always notice like the way things are framed in a movie but i really notice them here because there's a lot of them first of all a lot of scenes that i recognize from the heavy commercials that were running for this movie <laughs> mm-hmm. but also there's a lot of of scenes where you can't like it feels like just a camera's point of view, if that makes sense. Where like there's yeah. a scene and then it cuts to something, but that's you can tell it's like not from anybody's point of view. It's just the camera. And it's either like a fast zoom in or a fast zoom out, or like it's just it feels like somebody interacting with a camera instead of a person. And that just feels very like made for TV as opposed to like a feature film, which is this is supposed to be. Yeah, another thing that made it feel very made for TV is the slow motion technique that they were super aggressive on. Uh, Amanda, do you know, like, technically how slow motion works? Uh, No, I would not. I would not be able to technically walk you through it. I'll give you a a quick 10 second summary. Mm -hmm. Usually things are filmed at like 24 frames a second to do slow mo. You film film it at like 48 or 120 or something faster than that so that you can slow down the footage and it still looks smooth. Yeah. I'm guessing because this was 2003 and maybe slow-mo wasn't a big thing, but you notice how god awful the slow motion is because they use it a ton. A ton, like all the time. So much. My favorite is when they combo Mm -hmm. the scene change, like the scene fade in, fade out change with a slow-mo, which happened a lot. (laughs) <laughs> They're like, let's take the most worst parts that will age yeah. terribly yeah. in 10 years and just combine them into one ultra transition. Well, it just. But it it's like weird like- because it's terrible. Oh, go on. Well, it made me feel like the movie, like 
<laughs> like I felt like the movie is a character in itself. I feel like the movie was leaning in out of the screen and being like, Amanda, this is an emotionally important moment. Remember me, Amanda. Remember the holes. And I'm like, yeah, I get it, movie. Okay, move on. <laughs> yeah. Bring but back like, Kiss and Kate Barlow. Shoot, have her shoot somebody else. <laughs> It's, you know, during the Kiss and Kate Barlow, like, montage, there is a part where they do a newspaper spin. Yes, where it's like, doo -doo -doo -doo, and the newspaper <laughs> spin comes out. I died. I was dying. Uh, it's weird because they have all these techniques, yeah. but I love it. I know, I know. Like, I still love the I movie do. for all of I them. Like, do. I wouldn't take them away. Well, yes. And they're, they're kind of like the thing that makes it charming. Just like we talk about, like, the goofs. That are not necessarily good in something like Jurassic Park, but make it good somehow because it's not like flawless. And I feel like I'm torn between this desire to want to see this movie remade in like a very serious way. But at the same time, even if I had that, I would still love the Shia LaBeouf version. And I would I would hold them both in my heart at the same time. I would support a darker version if Kendrick Lamar <laughs> does the remastered yeah. version awesome. of Dig It. Yeah. If it's what yeah. if it's just like all modern day rappers playing <laughs> the roles of Cabin D. Yeah, right. And then we just get like some but Shia's still in it somewhere. What if instead of having a live action make, it's like Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, the version of Holes? That'd be cool. I'd watch an anime. I could. Of this. Mm, here's the thing. I disagree. I don't want them to remake this. I think it's just great the way it is. <laughs> you know, I don't you know want a new Sam. <laughs> I don't want a new. I can fix that. I mean, Dooley Hill's still around. We can bring him back as Sam. It hasn't been that long since yeah, this movie I came out. Fix. I can. He'll fix just go that. to the movie and be like, "I can fix that." <laughs> One of the best memes ever made. Like, I still say yeah. I can fix that. Here's the thing. This movie was memeable before memes were a thing. Ugh. It kind of was, yeah. 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 So uh, now that we've kind of gone through and talked extensively about the Holes soundtrack specifically, <laughs> Amanda. A lot more than I thought we were going to. Let's get through. <laughs> way more or it was the oh, exact amount that i wanted to the talk exact about amount it. that it deserves so there's that uh, yes <laughs> so amanda would you recommend watching this movie uh yes i think it's fun i think it would be hard to watch this movie without watching the book first i think it's just silly enough where if you didn't have the foundation of the book, I don't know if it would be as enjoyable as much as we enjoyed it. You may disagree, but that's a little bit how mm -hmm. I feel. Okay. Yeah. I disagree a little bit, but I love them both for what they are. Yeah. Would you recommend reading this book? Absolutely. Uh, I think Sacker is such a fantastic world builder. Yeah. He knows how to write for both children in a way that won't drive adults crazy. Mm -hmm. I'd say, especially if you have younger children, this book holds up well. Uh, you could definitely read it to them or re read it with them. Oh, what a great, what a great family connection Aww. that you guys can have together, Aww. just like we did. <laughs> mm, yeah, I do think it. I'm gonna bust in on your recommendation. It makes me upset that people haven't read this book. So 
don't talk to me until you've read this book, essentially. Whew. <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell everyone. I'm going to give everyone some quick advice. Don't get, don't get Amanda mad. You want Amanda on your side. Uh, so our recommendation is you better read the book yeah. or, else, or else. And you can also watch the yeah, movie. So check out both. Yeah, It makes for a fun. Like yeah. the book is super fast. The movie isn't very long either. It would make for a fun Saturday excursion to do both. Yeah. I had so much fun revisiting Yeah, me this. too. Yeah. Uh, so that'll wrap us up for today. Thank you so much for listening. And please subscribe so you automatically get updated when new episodes come out at wherever you get your podcasts. We are brand spanking new. So if you enjoyed anything we talked about in the past hour-ish, uh, please leave us a review and tell your friends to listen. Yep. And remember, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. We are now at AdaptedPod. Mm-hmm. We have shortened it from adapted from viewing yeah, it, it to adapted pod. That's a lot everywhere. easier to say. And it's a lot to type in. So <laughs> we switched it. It's a lot to type in. Mm-hmm. Uh, SEO optimization, yes. all that good yes, stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, so just look up at adapted pod on all of those platforms. You're, you can definitely find us. Uh, you can also send in suggestions on what we should talk about next by shooting us an email at stuff at adaptedpod.com. We are just starting out, so we have our own list of things, mm-hmm. but I'd be really curious uh, to hear what you guys want. Yeah. Uh, so, David, what are we consuming next? Yes, so we are going to be reading the first book of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Ooh, I love this book. Uh, so this is the f- movie from a while ago that starred Martin Freeman yes. in the first book by Douglas Adams. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited. I love this book series. It's ridiculous and fun, and I think it'll be a fun book and movie. And also, back from our Ready Player One podcast, I know that you just have a love for Martin Freeman that I can't do. be broken. I really do. I could watch him in anything, mm-hmm. and I will. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tune in next time to hear all about how we rate that adaptation. Until then... Uh, Always grab the shortest shovel whenever you're heading out to the desert. Until then, remember to digging up those no. holes. <laughs> digging up them holes. Uh, holes. Until then. Digging up them holes. Dig it. Remember, digging if you ever need to, holes. you can survive on just onions, up them but only holes. magical digging. onions. Digging up them holes, holes. I'm going to be singing this for a while. So I'm just going to fade out to either me or the actual <laughs> uh, song. Maybe, maybe you know what we're going to do? We're going to, sh- we're going to fade into Shia right now. So by okay. now you're probably. Well, so it's like seamlessly out from you into Shia. Yes. So get right. ready. The Shia rap I'm is so coming glad. soon. I'm- I'm so glad that we talked about this beforehand and we went through a rigorous approval process to do this ridiculous bit. Go yes, for it. Great. Also, it's the best soundtrack ever. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> two suits, two tokens in hand. I got no respect.